Welcome to the Variety Hour on AM 990, where local leaders talk Memphis. Listen to you, move your mind. I bet you come from way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess. You from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. Talk Memphis, you sound so good. Talk Memphis, high on the bluff. I swear I can't get enough. Welcome to Talk Money on AM 990. Now, here are your hosts, Jim Shoemaker and Keith Quinn. Welcome to Talk Money here on AM 990, the voice of Memphis. I am Keith Quinn. Jim Shoemaker, my partner, is out at a meeting today, so I am joined in the studio by Drew Johnson. Drew, good morning. Morning, Keith. Drew works with me at Shoemaker Financial on the investment side of the business. We've got a great show for you today. Uh, we've got a great guest coming up, Jim Whitehead. We're going to be talking about financial planning. Uh, and unfortunately, one of the things that we have to think about in planning, and Drew, sometimes we come across these things in life, uh, but Jim's going to talk to us a little bit about financial planning as people go through divorce. Uh, you know, again, unfortunately, it's just one of those things that we have to think about, but it's something that you definitely need to plan for. Absolutely. There was a lot going on around town last night uh, here in Memphis. A couple of big ball games. Florida won out and Dayton. A big game tomorrow afternoon. A lot of folks in town. I hope they enjoyed the game, and I apologize for the weather. Had a little bit of rain last night, uh, but a lot of good games. A lot of stuff going on downtown. Yeah, the Dayton game was great. It was. Some good games, and again, it should be a good game tomorrow afternoon. So for all of you that are in town for the ball games, welcome, and I hope you have a great time. Uh, again, we're going to talk a lot about uh, you know some financial planning, but we're also going to take some questions. Uh, of course, you can always send us a question, talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. Uh, we'll be happy to answer that on the air for you. Uh, and we've gotten some questions, Drew, about investing. Of course, that's what you and I work with a lot. Uh, and the question was, you know, should we be getting out of Europe? There's a lot going on overseas, uh, a lot going on in the Ukraine. We wanted to talk a little bit about that. Uh, obviously, it's a fluid situation. Uh, and we've also seen some numbers come out uh, from the Eurozone as far as growth, uh, you know, one Europe has kind of dropped out of the headlines, uh, you know, after everything that we went through with Greece and Cyprus. Uh, but there's still, uh, you know, still obviously some concerns there. Yeah, and Europe's a big place, and uh, it's not just a matter of getting out of uh, getting out of Europe or getting out of Asia, kind of any big place, but about where in Europe are, is a good place to invest. The country, the company. It's hard to generalize that across an entire continent. So when you're looking at, you know, when we're looking at Europe and we're looking at overseas that you wouldn't necessarily uh, listen to the headlines if you're thinking about investing. Oh, not at all. And I think, you know, that's something that we stress a lot and something that we have to think of. Uh, you know, when we talk about uh, investing, we are investors. We're not speculators. We're not traders. Uh, we're not trying to do anything on a daily basis. We are not trying to time the market because, frankly, it's impossible. Uh, so as long-term investors, we've got a long-term perspective, uh, and that's what we want to talk about. We're going to go into that in a little bit more detail uh, coming up here in a few minutes. Drew, what else are we going to talk about today? We are going to talk about the events in Ukraine. We're also going to talk about the, the recent uh, Fed statement on March the 19th and talk a little bit about the uh, energy dependence of Europe on Russian and Ukrainian natural gas and fossil fuels. Absolutely. That's Definitely an, big issues now. It is big issues. And, you know, that's, again, it's one of the things that we look at when we talk about investing. Uh, one of the things that I did want to mention, you know, again, as we talk about the Ukraine uh, Fortune magazine and CNN came out yesterday with a list of the world's 50 greatest leaders. Who do you think was number one on that list, Drew? Number one on that list? Number one, the 50 greatest leaders. 
Vladimir Putin? <laughs> it's a good guess, and I like it, but it was actually Pope Francis. Uh, Pope Francis was number one. Some of the members, Warren Buffett, Angela Merkel, uh, Bill Clinton, Angelina Jolie. Derek Jeter was number 11, but there was one kind of notable absence. Do you have any idea who that might have been? Uh, I wonder. It, yeah, it's, it's our, you know. Is he pres- the president of something? Or? President of something. You know, the criteria were rare leadership, leadership in multiple areas, or who have a long history of leading. Uh, and the one man who did not make that list was President Obama. Uh, and I think I'm going to, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the things that he has said. Of course, he is over in Europe now and just visited with the Pope on Thursday. Uh, so we're going to be talking about that coming up. Again, we've got a great show for you. We've got Jim Whitehead here. We're going to be talking about financial planning. Uh, but first, let's go to a quick break, check out what's going around town and see what's going on in New York before the opening bell with Market Watch. Stick around. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Talk Money here on AM 990. Of course, you can always listen to us in one of three ways, either on the radio at AM 990, go online and search for our homepage, kwam990.com. Just click on Watch and Listen Live and listen to us that way. Or go to the App Store, download our free mobile app, KWAM 990, and listen to us on your mobile device. I'm Keith Quinn here with Drew Johnson. We are happy to welcome to the studio Jim Whitehead. Jim, hey, Keith. Good morning, Jim. Good morning. Thanks, Keith. Thanks, Drew, for having me in today. Absolutely. Glad you could join us. Jim is a financial advisor with Shoemaker Financial. Uh, Jim, we want to talk uh, you know, about uh, financial planning, but financial planning uh, in the context of divorce. Again, you know, this is not my favorite subject. You know, we, we hate to see anybody going through that. Uh, you know, as, as you guys know, I used to be an attorney and had, uh, you know, done a little bit of this in practice. And, and you know, it's, it's just a, a lot of times a really tough situation to deal with. Oh, you're absolutely right. Um, five, six years ago, it seems like all we did was financial planning, you right. know, looking for the goals and dreams of how do we accumulate wealth or how do we protect our family. And now more and more people are coming to our firm asking about the divorce, uh, specifically, what do I do? What's geared up? What should I be asking about? I'm afraid, you know, and so it's changed a lot in the last five, six years with more people coming, needing these answers. And I think, you know, it's gotten more complex because I can remember, uh, you know, years ago, uh, again, when we as attorneys, uh, we didn't have a lot of these complex financial issues that you have now as far as, you know, how do you divide the assets and things like that. And I really think that there is, you know, more than ever a need to assemble this team. So talk to us a little bit about, you know, what people need to think about and what kind of resources they need to have. Right. Well, you know, when we think about marriage, it's a covenant. And we go into marriage, and we should be honoring God and honoring our spouse, and we should be sacrificing and giving. And what happens over our, our, our time here on earth is we're now a fast food society. We have technology at our fingertips. Right. It's instant gratification. What can happen for me? And over a period of time, be it days, months, years, or decades, we take people for granted, especially in our marriages. And marriage is hard work. And what happens is... We have these years of emotions. I mean, think about the Ukraine right now. Y'all were talking about that earlier, about right. just what's going on. That's six months. Think about a 10-year marriage of the hurt, the pain, the avoidance, the so many things are going on. So when all of this happens at once, it's like a big Ukraine jumping down somebody's life, and they have to deal with it. And it's very complicated, Keith. And a lot of people are afraid. They don't know what to do. Maybe this person wasn't the one who did all the financial matters in the home, and they right. don't know, and they have some mistrust going on. So, you know, just like what we see in the economy we're doing investments for our clients, there's so many raw emotions in the divorce, and there's not a lot of places to turn to. 
That's a great point, Jim. So what do you recommend? If someone came into you and asked you, I mean, what would, where do they start? You know, it's like in any kind of financial planning, um, Keith. It's, it's starting with wise counsel. Build your team. If you're going to go to an investment firm, you know, go to Keith, go to Jim Shoemaker, go to Finance, Shoemaker Financial, go to Drew. Have people look at your stuff. Well, in divorce, you know, you got to start off with wise counsel being an attorney. There are a lot of great attorneys in Memphis that protect and provide great solutions for their clients. So you always start off with the legal side. Right. Because sometimes, you know, I, I talk about the financial side, but there's things sometimes that need immediate legal attention, especially if there's any kind of abuse in the home or major complications. You need a good attorney who understands family law. Second, I would say, you know, surround yourself with people you trust, not always to get advice from. People like this would be friends. Right. They're not the ones who should be giving you legal advice or probably financial advice, but they're great to go get coffee with, go golfing with, get your mind off of it, share a tear, cry, talk about some good times in your life, but get some of the emotions, the raw emotions that you have pent up out. Don't waste that time with the attorney. Let them do the legal side. Next, you got to get a financial planner that's qualified to do divorce work. It's such a totally different platform. I mean, usually we're helping people grow wealth. Here we're trying to protect the financials, and we're splitting up just like a business would split up. We're we're trying to salvage, and we have new budgets. We have new time frames. We have new goals. But a lot of things in divorce get put off, and they get their own hold. You can't come up with new goals until you know where you're at. And I think that's, you know, what's so key about this is it is a unique set of financial problems. It is not what we deal with on a daily basis, certainly in my role. Uh, And that is why it is so important to get someone with some experience in this area. Right. I agree. And you really need to think about it. You know, you know, when we're talking about uh, uh, looking at, you know, all your financial statements, you know, you've got to do things like that. You need to make copies of everything. Uh, you know, you probably need to start thinking about, uh, you know, separate checking accounts, stuff like right. that. Is that the kind of things that you would walk through with a client? Oh, yeah. We walk through really every emotion and, and what the, the goal should be. Um, what are some reasonable things? Then we work with the attorney also. So if there's any type of fear, um, we help them make those decisions, but also we have to discover a lot of facts, facts right. that sometimes someone in the, in the uh, relationship may have forgotten. I had a client the other day, um, the other party forgot they had a pension. I mean, there's so many things, and unless you're trained to know this, unless you're trained to know that this client worked for a company X and they have a pension, that stuff may not ever be brought out on the table. And it's not that one person is not telling the truth, it's that they don't always know. You have some people very savvy with finances. Right. And sometimes they don't tell the truth. And you have some people who aren't savvy. So you have a lot of conflict here. And a lot of time the attorneys, they're absolutely wonderful at the legal side, but they're not financial experts. Right. So they really need someone on that team also to help cover and uncover things that that, that we don't always know are there. And that's that's very, very, very important because when we're planning for the divorce. We're not look. I'm not looking at today of the divorce. I'm looking at what's going to happen the next five, ten, fifteen, twenty, thirty, the remaining of your life. How is the decision, the impact of this divorce, going to affect the rest of your life? Now that's the same thing that we do, Keith and Drew, with financial planning. Right. I mean, we look at the decisions you make today as a steward of your money financially. How will they impact tomorrow? And that part of the divorce or any type of financial planning is the same. We have to help educate our clients on better decisions. That's any wise counsel. And so if it's divorce or if it's financial planning or if it's bankruptcy or if it's I'm going to get into a partnership with somebody in a business, 
all of those things, they need to be kicked around with people who've been there, who understand it. And from a team approach, you always make better decisions when you've thought it through with people who can help you think it through a little better. I think that's great advice, and I always like the team approach. So if they need to start out, they've got to find a good lawyer. They need a financial advisor who has some experience working with divorce issues. Uh, they need to uh, have some close friends that they can rely on, that they can share uh, you know, their experiences with. They need to have some counseling. That's right. Uh, you know, this is, a, as you said, a very emotional decision. But now let's talk to us a little bit about the, you know, some of the nuts and bolts of this. Let's talk about, a little bit about marital property. You know, what can you tell uh, people about that, and how does that impact you know, what you're looking at? at from a perspective of a planner? Well, you know, when we're talking about divorce, there's a couple of things that always stick out, and that's income and assets. Well, income's pretty easy. What are you making? Right. You know, sometimes with a business owner, they don't always show what they're really making, so you got to kind of discover that. But on what do you have or what are your assets, there's a lot of things that seem to tug and pull people. Number one, the biggest is usually the house. Who gets the house? Um, another one might be the IRAs or the pensions. Now, pension's a very careful word. Because a lot of times you don't have a benefit out there. You don't have a pool of money. You have a benefit or an asset stream, an income stream when you retire. And not all pensions can be divided. Now, some can be divided through the court system, but some cannot. So some of these things become very, very tricky. The other part of this is a lot of people don't understand the tax complications on the assets that they may be getting. For example, if you have some stock that you want to sell and now there's a I mean, we do this every day on our investment side, right, guys? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, but now you got to think I'm forced to make a decision about things I'm not really sure what they are. And my job as a, the financial guy in divorce is to help them say, what are the better assets to try to get in this dissolution? If we're going to break part our assets and split them up, which ones should I be getting and why? Everybody forgets about tax consequences. Which are huge. Huge. Absolutely huge. And, I mean, it doesn't even matter at that point what, what's invested in, right? I mean, we always talk about the risk tolerance of someone. So we're not timing the market, but they were actually investing long-term or investing for a need or investing for a time in our life. But right now in the divorce, all that's on standstill. So when I'm looking at their investments, it doesn't really concern us at the proper moment. Is it a growth portfolio? Right. Do they have any Europe? stock in this portfolio. No, that's a concern because we can't make any changes until somebody gets it. Once they get it and the divorce is complete, that's when, you know, a team of experts like you guys would come in and say, Ooh, Hey, this investment portfolio does not match their risk tolerance. But during the divorce, we're so concerned about what's going on and how the chip's going to fall. I tell everybody, if I'm on one side or the other, what we want to try to do is what's fair. Maybe you get a little extra on one side or the other, but do what's fair. You married this person, you fell in love, you promised, and it didn't work out. We get that. I mean, I've been there. I mean, it's, it's a stressful situation. Right. Life is hard. Okay. But now that you're making this decision, drop the pride, drop the ego, tr- drop trying to hurt somebody now. You're getting a divorce. The pain is already there. Try to do what's fair and reasonable and right, and then pick up your pieces And at that point, I think they should do a new financial plan, either with themselves or with experts, and get their stuff back together. And because now you have to go back and realize new dreams, new goals. Got to reset the clock. You do have to reset the clock, and and it's very very hard. You're living off of X for a long time. Now that X gets split up in two, and guess what? You have two house notes, and you have two utility notes, and everything is doubled in many cases. 
So you do have to go back to the drawing board. I have a lot of clients who won't pick the home. We're talking about marital assets. They won't pick the home because they don't want the note that goes with the home. It's a, sure, and you have to think about those things. Oh, yes, definitely. And, Jim, and I want to make it clear to our listeners, we are by no means intending to provide legal or tax advice. And that's why we would absolutely say consult an attorney, consult a CPA if you have these specific issues. Uh, That is not what we do. But, Jim, I love that advice from you. And I would say, you know, that emotional side of this, that counseling uh, is incredibly important. And I think it's also a a great way to say, you know, when you talk about assets, not all assets are created equal. When we're talking about dividing this up, you know, how you value these things, uh, you know, which side gets what. But these are some tricky questions. And I know the courts are always trying to do what's equitable. You know, they want to do what's fair to both parties. Uh, But if you really don't know the value of something, it's impossible to split it up. That's correct. That's correct. You know, and and the other part of that is is one thing. They may have the exact same value on a piece of paper. In other words, here's $100,000 and here's $100,000. But they don't mean the same in real tangible. Let me give you an example. I'm 46. And so let's say something was to happen and I want to get the home. Well, I can't get any money out of the home. A lot of times with today's mortgage industry, you may not be able to get a HELOC or, or access any of that cash. Or let's say it's a 401k. Well, I can't access that till I'm 59 and a half. Right. Let's say it's $100,000 of cash value on a life insurance plan. Oh, I'd much rather have that because I have access to $100,000 of cash. It can help me pay for my divorce. You know, it can help me put my kids in private school. It could get me through four, five, six months of not transitioning to a new career or something. So the assets on the dollar that we divide are more important than just the asset itself. Being able to use it, the flexibility of those dollars, um, if it's accessible, if it's not, or if it's something that has stringent rules on it. Um, it's, and if that asset contains a bill or a negative income. Right. Right. So in other words, I have to I get the house. I got to pay for this. Can you afford it? I've seen a lot of people, they'll get the house, and six months, seven months later, they have to sell it. Why? They can't afford it with a new budget. So you have to put everything in perspective, throw it together, and look at it. And then what's unique from financial planning? Financial planning, we're looking at, here's five or six good things that we need to be doing to get you on your way for a financial plan. But divorce, we have to look at six, seven, eight, nine different options of what might happen before we can ever start that process. That is a great point. If you're just joining us, I'm Keith Quinn. We're here every Friday morning from 8 to 9 on Talk Money here on AM 990. We are going to come back, and we're speaking with Jim Whitehead, talk a little bit more about some tips and strategies planning for divorce. Uh, But first, let's take a quick break. Go to Charles Osgood and the Osgood file, but stick around, and we will be right back. CBS Radio Network. Welcome back to Talk Money here on AM 990, the voice of Memphis. Of course, Talk Money is brought to you every Friday morning from 8 to 9 by Shoemaker Financial, which has been providing professional advice, quality products, and excellent service throughout the Mid-South since 1978. At Shoemaker, it is not about the plan. It's about the results. Well, Jim, uh, on that last segment, that was just a great point about looking at the liquidity of the different assets you're trying to divide. I can kind of sum that up by saying a dollar equals a dollar, but not every dollar costs the same. Ooh, that's excellent. And and, uh, figuring out how those costs are going to work out over the long term is just a a great, great point. And I just kind of want to segue from that into how does wealth accumulation planning in general uh, really compare to financial planning and divorce? Well, that's a great question. You know, one thing is, it's not about the plan, it's about the results. That's right. I mean, it's not about going to court, it's about... A plan is worthless if you don't execute. It's it's worthless, that's right. However, you know, we all want the results. Right. And you can't get them without good planning. 
And so those that's the two things they have in common, right? If you plan it with a team of wise counsel, you'll have better results. Okay. Now, in, in wealth planning, like you know, what we're usually doing is we're sitting down with a couple or a client or a business and saying, hey, what are your goals here? And you've done that. So let's say they, we, we take over some assets. What's their goal? What's their risk tolerance? What are some of the information we need to provide good advice to help that happen? In divorce or planning for divorce in the financial planning side, we're looking at all that stops. The goals have stopped. Some of the dreams are now changing. There's conflict. So the goal usually is I'm in a divorce and I want what's mine and I want to be okay. And so the goal is is very short term, where in financial planning, the goal is very long term in many cases. You got to balance those two. And we have to balance those two. And we have to keep talking to our clients about real aspects of financial planning. In other words, just because we're going to go through this conflict, be, be like the Ukraine, like y'all were talking about earlier, or there's the recession in 2008, the emotions, everything take over common sense. So we have to guide our, our clients through what's going on today so they can see that long-term approach again, which takes us back to financial planning. So in a sense, you would say it's it's kind of like we do on the wealth management side in that we go, you know we come up with a plan, we stick to it, we have a disciplined approach, but we do that very deliberately to tie, try to take the emotions out of making investment decisions. The worst possible decision you could have made in March of 2009, February of 2009, would have been to get out of the stock market. But that was a very emotional time. People were looking at their account statements. They were down 20, 30, in some cases 40%. Incredibly emotional issue, especially when you're talking about retirement planning money. Uh, But if you had a disciplined approach, if you'd gotten a plan and established the right risk tolerances on the front end and you stuck with that plan, didn't give in to the emotions, then you came out just fine. No, you're absolutely right. And I think the one thing about like a recession is you can turn the TV off. Right. But when you're going on in through a divorce, your mental TV never goes off. There's always some stress going on. So it's more important, not not more important, but it's extremely important at that time of your life to have people that you can turn to that's going to give you sound advice. But it's also sound advice during a recession or during, I mean, if you're 58 and you're going to retire next year and all of a sudden the market crashes, you're worried. You're I mean, worried. It, I mean, in, in that type of influx of emotions are really almost not the same, but close. It's the only thing that I can kind of bridge together between financial planning and divorce financial planning or financial planning for divorce is, is that emotional side that you don't always have in regular financial planning. So I think long-term financial planning is definitely long-term goals. And the divorce is conflict today. Let's solve this so then we can regroup. There is still that regrouping. And for the clients who don't regroup, they never get it back. And I'm talking about long-term wealth accumulation, protection. If they don't get through the divorce and then start a financial plan and do it wisely, they're going to have some problems. They may have to work till they're 75 or 80. So, Jim, when you're dealing with, you know, ultimately I think there's two kind of major issues. Uh, you know, there's there's this division of assets. Uh, obviously, you know, children are a big issue. Uh, you know, again, that's uh, so specific to every individual case. I don't know if we want to spend a lot of time on that, but I do want you to just address that briefly. You know, from the financial side, I, I look at three things when I'm able to come in and assist an attorney, assist the client, is is number one is the children, if there's children under age. Um, and in the state of Tennessee, it's pretty much a parenting plan. How much time does each parent get with that child? And right. therefore, how much does each parent make? And then there's a there's an equation that goes into place. 
I have really no say so on that. The the attorneys will throw that through an equation, and depending on how much how active you want to be in that child's life or not active, there's a there's a cost to that. Uh, there's a cost to raising children anyway. I mean, I have six children, so it's it's not that you're, you're aware gonna, of those costs. Yeah, it's not that something's <laughs> going to go by the wayside here. Uh, in divorce, you're going to have new costs that come up later with emotional concerns for the children. Things are going to hit five, ten, fifteen years. Uh, maybe a boarding school if a child is acting out because of the issues of divorce. There's so many things that are going to be evident. But the other two things are going to be income and assets. And this is what you know a good financial planner that deals with divorce or not should be able to to handle. And, you know, you're going to split those things up. Right. And I tell people, if you want more income, give up more assets. If you want more assets, you're going to have to give up some income. Great way to look at it's, it. It's not a 50-50. It's not a 75-30 or 25, you're not going to get what you want. So pick and choose your battle. Um, I have a lot of people who might have a small business. Well, they spent 30 years working there. You might want to give up some other assets to keep up that asset. Maybe you have an old pension plan that you really want to keep. Well, you might want to give up the new 401k or the something else or assets in the home. You have to, like we talked about earlier, you know, do what's fair and then maybe you'll get a little extra. Now, and unfortunately, I know that doing what's fair is not always what happens in divorce. Uh, you know, I know one of the issues we used to deal with were people hiding assets, uh, you know, trying to deliberately set up their assets or their balance sheet for when the courts take a look at it. Do you run across that? And what do you counsel people in that respect? Well, you know, we run across things like that all the time. Right. And the point is, is somebody's going to get the money. Okay. End of discussion. Tennessee is a mediation state. You're going to get to go to mediation. If you throw your pride in there, you throw your ego, you throw that everything should be yours. Again, go back to you're taking somebody for granted still. You got a divorce because you probably took them for granted, and you're still taking them for granted. You're not going to walk out of this with no issues. Right. So either you're going to split it up in a in a fair manner, or you're going to pay other people to argue this for you and look up your numbers for you and debate it. And guess what? When you, it's 20, 30, 50, I've seen clients spend $200,000, both of them, on a divorce. But when you only got $300,000 of assets, <laughs> wow, is that a good decision? Doesn't make much financial sense. No, it doesn't. And what that means is, okay, you're going to have to work longer in life. I mean, because you're now single, you're not going to all of a sudden make more money and drive a better car and be in shape. I mean, it doesn't work. that Everything takes time. And so I tell everybody, you know, if you can just get to a point where you can do what's fair and move on, you'll probably save a lot of money on your court, your mediation, your trial, where, you know, give it, why did give it to somebody else? That's right. Now, Jim, I want to talk, <clears throat> get your opinion on two other asset classes, things that you owned before you got married and things that you've inherited during the marriage. How does the courts treat those? How oh. do you, how do you deal with that? You know, that's an excellent, we have a lot of people debating over that. Um, and it can go down to, hey, this is my grandmother's china, and they can argue and spend $10,000 over a $1,000 china set. And that's all about the, you know, it's all about the emotions. It's all about the emotions. You know, what we look at is a couple of things. We look at how long somebody was married. There's a thing called a coverture factor. So if I was married for 10 of my working years and I worked for 20 years, then marital assets would be during that time of those 10 years. During the time you were married. Right. And there's right. actually a, a fraction that you put into place to figure out what that asset would be. So in that case, let's say you had a $30,000 asset. 15 was before marriage. 15 was during marriage. The 15 during marriage is on the table. To so be that's split. what you would look at when you're doing the division. Yes, you okay. would. Um, there's some other things. Let's say I inherited it. Let's say I inherited a farm that from, from my grand, great father, great grandfather to father to me. Right. And I'm going to give it to the kids. 
that might be off the table if it was can be shown as a gift. Now, let's say I sold that farm and put that into my checking account with my spouse. Now that's commingled money. Yep. It's no longer prior to marriage. It's now in marriage. So there's a lot of things. And get, when you're in a conflict, it's all about a debate. Right. And, and I don't want to boil down divorce down to a debate, but it's really about the attorneys and the financial advisor and the the client and how they view the assets on the table and how well they can argue to get them on the table or off the table. It's kind of like if you came over to buy my, 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 my truck, right? It's two guys arguing or debating over the value of that truck. And so sometimes all the basic facts can go out the table if you have a better argument. And I hate to boil it down to that, but people lose a lot of money just because somebody else was smarter in the argument. Or they give up because they're emotionally just drained and they want it over. So marital property is a really big concern, especially if uh, you have some some assets that are hard to to divide, like land or an apartment building that was given to you by your grandfather for extra money coming in. So you have to look at all those things very delicately. And, you know, you can do... You know, you can have a, a CPA come in and look at all the books for the last 10 years, but guess what? That costs a lot of money. Costs a lot of money. So it's best, again, if you can be fair, get it on the table, discuss it, and move forward. And, Jim, I know we kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, but I wanted you to address this again. How much time do you spend on on helping them understand how much their income, you know, we mentioned income, but how much their expenses have changed? Because all of a sudden, you know, you mentioned you may not want the house because of the note. You know, you've got a lot of things that you may not have thought about having to pay anywhere right. from health insurance to, right. you know, car insurance. Do you, do you uh, focus on that? Well, you know, when you go through a divorce, you have to do a deposition. And in that deposition, you have to talk about all your expenses. Right. And the one thing that will, will get you in trouble is if you don't know them, you, you guess, and then you come back later and in, in mediation or trial, they're, they're saying, well, you said that you know, your car note was 500, but over here you said it's 400. They can show that that's not trustworthy. What I like to do with clients is I like to go through a very detailed budget sheet. And I will, you know, when we do financial planning, a lot of times people don't remember what they pay for vacations. Sure. Okay. Well, in a situation like this, you better go back and kind of really figure it out. So I'll do two budgets with them. I'll do what's going on really in their life right now. And then I will do a budget of what do we think will change in your new cost being single. Okay, so let's say I'm married and my spouse has my health insurance, but now that I'm going to be single, I got to pay for that. Right. I'll have the firm run some numbers and put that in the new budget, and and you'll be amazed how people didn't realize things cost as much as they do. But if you're not aware, if they're not aware to discuss that or say those things when they're deposition, then it looks like they don't need as much money. Guess what? We're going to divide income and assets. The other person shows they need more income some money might flow their side just because they have a bigger need. So it's not always that way, but having the information, talking it through with somebody, and and here's what we do. This is a financial plan. You you pay a small fee for it. Well, if you're going to go talk to your attorney, well, that's a large sum of money each hour to talk about a basic budget. So get these things together, and your attorney 90% of the time will be very happy that all this stuff is ready, prepared, and you know what you're talking about. Sure. Because they want to do the best thing for the client, too. And the better information you have, the better job you can do. That's right. That's right. Good question. Jim, great advice. How can somebody get in touch with you if they want to call you, want to set up an appointment, want to sit down and talk about this? Well, they just call the firm, uh, 757-5757.
If they could shoot you an email? They can. Jay Whitehead at shoemakerfinancial.com. Man, I so appreciate you sharing your insights. And if you'll stick around, we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, investment planning. And I would love to get your perspective as an advisor. Uh, Drew and I are going to talk a little bit about a question we've gotten about should you be invested overseas right now, given all the uncertainty we have. Uh, If you will stick around, we are going to be right back with that. But first, let's go to a Mid-South History Moment. And we actually are fortunate enough to have the author of our Mid-South History Moments in the studio with us this morning, Drew Johnson. And Drew, I'm going to ask you where you get all your great ideas as soon as we come back from this break. So stick around after we go to Rebecca Brazier. George... Welcome back to Talk Money. I'm Keith Quinn. We're here every Friday morning from 8 to 9. Drew, since we have you in the studio, I just wanted to ask you about the Mid-South History Moments. You know, we get so many compliments on those. Everyone really enjoys them. Where did you get all these ideas? I have to hunt for those. Uh, <laughs> I know it can't be easy. It's it, it's not. I mean, what I'm looking for, I'm looking for first. I'm looking for a story. I'm right. Looking for a story that most people don't know, and the focus of it. I mean, it is Memphis, it is the Mid South, but it specifically it's uh, people you don't probably know, probably haven't heard of, but that had either a regional or a national impact in some way, whether it was in business or art or military service or science. Uh, but but I want to go for after something that people generally don't know about treasures of of lives and stories that are essentially in their own backyard. That is excellent. I want to thank you because you have done a phenomenal job with that. Great job. Thank you. Okay, now let's get back to our question. Should we be invested in Europe given everything that's going on? Well, let's start with talking about where we are. Drew, where are we with the Ukraine today? Well, I mean, it's not looking good. The Russians have annexed Crimea. They're mobilizing troops along other parts of the Ukrainian border. It looks like more hostilities you know, could potentially be imminent. Uh, there's also the threat of sanctions against Russia and the part of us and the part of the EU. I mean, it's not, it's not looking good. Tensions are certainly running high there. Uh, it doesn't look like uh, the, the Russian side is eager to back down from it, uh, nor is the new Ukrainian government. So it's, it's tense and potentially hostile. Um, That's what I've noticed. And certainly we, you know, we had a report that came out from the Department of Defense yesterday. You know, they've kind of upgraded the possibility of Russia moving into eastern Ukraine. And I think that's a totally different proposition from Crimea. You know, one of the reasons they moved into Crimea, and it was a relatively, well, it was a totally bloodless coup. Uh, 60% of the population of Crimea are ethnic Russians. Uh, so there really wasn't much resistance there. But I think what a lot of people don't realize is Crimea is not connected to Russia. Uh, in other words, they cannot resupply the Crimea by land unless they they take over eastern Ukraine. Uh, and right now, with the troop movements on the border, they're looking very similar to what we saw when uh, Russia pushed into Georgia in 2008. Uh, so it's a little bit concerning uh, that without any kind of sanctions, uh, that Vladimir Putin might decide that it's in his strategic interest to go ahead and take the eastern Ukraine. Uh, if he does that, I don't really think there's much of a military solution at this point, but we have talked a lot about sanctions. Uh, A bill passed uh, both the House and the Senate yesterday about imposing some sanctions, giving aid to the Ukraine. Drew, what impact will sanctions have, if any, on Russia, Uh, and is that going to be enough to deter uh, Putin? I don't know that they're going to have as much as they would hope for. I mean, Russia is not Iran. Russia is one of the top oil producers in the world. They've got – they're just abundant in natural resources – large population, huge strategic depth geographically, and they are a major energy supplier to Western Europe. There's just, there's a lot of economic connections there that I don't know can be severed 
overnight because of, an, of what is now an essentially a, a, a very localized conflict. Absolutely. And I also think, you know, it was interesting when the president said this, and again, he said this when he was in Europe this week, uh, and I don't really think that I agree with this statement, but he said that Russia is a regional power. A regional power. Uh, you know, I know that we talk about in the conventional sense, it is a regional power, but they also have a, a pretty extensive arsenal of nukes, nukes that are capable of reaching the United States. They could wipe the United States of America off the face of the earth, and I don't necessarily think I would call that a regional power. So these are big issues. Yeah, they are. Now, how would we counsel someone, Drew, if they came to you and said, all this going on, everything that we just said, should I be invested in Europe? Well, I mean, that kind of takes us back to a few years ago when Greece was going through its basic financial and and political meltdown as well. Uh, Greece is not Europe, nor is Spain Europe, nor is Portugal or Italy Europe, nor is Ukraine Europe. Now, what do you mean by that, Drew? That the individual countries and what's going on there don't necessarily reflect what's going on in the broader European economy, in the broader European uh, equity markets, bond markets. Uh, or, or unemployment. The unemployment rates in Europe are ranging from three and a half percent in Norway all the way up to twenty six or twenty eight in, in Greece or Spain. Each uh, country tells a very, very different story in terms of growth, in terms of potential growth, employment, the 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 debt to uh, individual country GDP ratio. I mean, they're all very, very different places to invest. And I know we've talked about that a lot, and you and I actually were talking about this yesterday. You know, the unemployment rate's dramatically different. And we were talking about the youth unemployment in Spain and Greece is right around 50%. uh, And it's this lost, uh, you know, this lost generation of folks, uh, which does not bode well for the future. However, that doesn't mean that there aren't opportunities to invest. Not at all. I mean, the economic story is particularly in February and January was looking particularly good in France, especially on the manufacturing and the new order side. They, in France, they saw the biggest gains there uh, since August of 2011. That's good news. That is, the, that is good news. The unemployment is still, for the, for the Eurozone in general, is still hovering at about 12 percent, but it's not getting any worse. It's been hovering fairly steadily, and the European economy is still continuing to grow. It's still in the 0.3 to 0.5% range, but it's been consistent positive growth. And improving. And improving. Uh, Albeit gradually. Stick around with us for just one second. We're going to take a break, but when we come back, we're going to give you some concrete tips for how you deal with investing in these uncertain times. And we're going to get Jim Whitehead's perspective on what his clients are saying as far as investing and the importance of keeping that long-term focus. I'm Keith Quinn. We're here every Friday morning from 8 to 9 on AM 990, the voice of Memphis. Stick around and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Talk Money here on AM 990. I'm Keith Quinn here with Drew Johnson and Jim Whitehead. Jim, we were talking about, you know, investing. We were talking about investing in uncertain times. We were talking about, you know, what's going on overseas. What do you hear from your clients? Are they concerned? Well, you know, when things are bad, you hear from them a lot. Right. And since the United States are producing some pretty good returns, you don't hear from them quite as much. But I really enjoyed what you two are talking about with the risk diversification and, the, you know, having a good portfolio model and investing for the long term. And I couldn't help but think about when you were talking about the leaders, right? Didn't you say Warren Buffett was on there? Absolutely. Well, one of my favorite sayings from Warren Buffett is to be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when know. others are fearful. And both of you are talking about value and opportunity in the Europe market. 
That's right. And as investors, we look at not only that portfolio of diversification, and in there we have international, we have emerging markets, and in any investment, we're always trying to buy low and sell high. So there's opportunities, guys. And I tell my clients, hey, if you're doing the right thing, you're you're planning for the long term or the short term, but you have a clear-cut plan and you're investing, there's opportunities. Let's go find those opportunities. And I think there will be opportunities, just like both of you said, there's opportunities in Europe. There are opportunities. And that comes back to one of the things that we believe in, and that's active management. You know, when someone says, should I own Europe? I would say, well, no, you don't own Europe, but are there companies in Europe you want to own? That's right. Absolutely there are. That's right. Uh, You know, Drew, we talk a lot about the distinctions between Southern and Northern Europe. Oh, yeah, totally different. The demographics are totally different. The growth stories are are totally different. The geography is very different. Uh, what, What kinds of industries do well? Uh, in those different countries. And Jim, I want to talk about this a little bit too. You know, one of the things that we talk about when we're talking about constructing a portfolio, you know, the fundamentals, we talk about asset allocation, we talk about diversification, you know, we talk about periodic rebalancing, of course, rebalancing forces you to sell what's done well to buy what hasn't done well, you know, that trying to find value. But all of this ultimately is driven, I believe, uh, by one thing, uh, one thing that we really need to embrace. uh, And that is faith in the future faith in the long-term directions of the markets. Will the markets move up and down? You bet. Uh, You know, since the bottom in March, we have gained 175% on the S&P 500. And if you'll remember in March of 2009, we were talking about nationalizing the banks. We were saying Dow 6,000, you know, the world was going to hell in a handbasket. But we came out of it just fine. Now, not without some volatility. Since that, uh, you know, know, time of March, we have had 15 pullbacks of 5% or more. 15 pullbacks of 5% or more in that time frame, but we're still up 175%. You have to understand the volatility. You have to have that long-term perspective, but you have to have faith in the future. If we look back over the last 50 years, the average return on the S&P 500 has been right around 10%. Stocks are going to do better than bonds. Bonds are going to do better than cash. We're going to have some level of inflation. These are things that we believe, things that we believe will work out in the future, things that we have to focus on. And to kind of take this back to what you were talking about, Jim, whether you're talking about uh, just a married couple that's getting divorced or in the case of Ukraine, an entire country that's essentially getting divorced right. uh, at, at some level, uh, it all has to come back to optimism. And it's not an optimism of, uh, of just faith. It's also an optimism of facts. Uh, while all this is going on, new diseases are being discovered and eliminated. People are, are living longer. Uh, the quality of life the world over is getting better for millions and millions of people in, in emerging countries. Uh, as they're continuing to develop and so forth. And so those opportunities are realizing themselves even while we're sitting here talking about these horrible things that are going on in other parts of the world. That's correct. You know, media makes big money from conflict. Definitely. And and conflict um, kind of hampers consumer sentiment. We get worried. And when we get worried, we think things aren't going to go very well. However, we go back to fundamentals, good habits. Good habits. Right? Wise counsel. Yes. We're probably going to have more than we have today if we just follow the basic fundamentals of life. Let me get up and go to work. Let me do a good job. Let me save some money. Let me get some wise counsel, make good decisions. We'll eventually get there. You're right, Drew. Things do get better. You know, we got to focus on the positive. Too many times we're focusing on the conflict, not the plan and the results. And it's the facts, guys. In, in 1909, the life expectancy was 47 Uh, Now it is close to 78. Less than 100 years ago, we had the influenza pandemic. 50 to 100 million people were killed by the flu less than 100 years ago. Wow. We have come an awful long way, and the future looks bright. 
It does. I hope you've enjoyed our show today. We so appreciate having Jim Whitehead on. Reach out to Jim at the office, 901-757-5757. He'd be happy to sit down with you and discuss any financial planning issues you may have. I'd like to thank Drew Johnson. Drew, thanks so much for joining me, and great job. Thanks for having me on, Keith. I appreciate it. I hope you can join us next week. We're going to have Erica Bergslin coming in from Advantage Capital Management talking a little bit more about what's going on with the Fed and the economy. I want to thank Art Frederick, our program director, Francis Fortner, our guest coordinator, Jeff Long, our compliance officer, Drew, who does write our Mid-South History Moments, and Rebecca, who reads them. I'm Keith Quinn. Please join us next week when we'll help you make the most of your money. Jim Shoemaker and Keith Quinn are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services Incorporated. Securities dealer member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. CBS News at the top of every hour. 